As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, I heard that you were having some problems with a bat this morning. Do you care to share that with our listeners? Erin, I was having a problem with a bat and I'm happy to share with our listeners the first person I came to my problem with was you. (laughs) I was like, I'm sure she knows about bats. So I went outside this morning and when I turned around, I saw that there was a bat hanging upside down on my front stoop. Now, I'm not going to lie. I know a lot about like mice and deer and other things. I'm not like super versed in bats. So uh, you and I were both concerned since it was daylight that there was something very wrong with the bats. Bats should not be out in the day. They should not be out in the day. That should not be out in the day. And we were like, shit, it might have rabies. So I called George, the problem wildlife guy up here. And he was like, oh, girl. He's like, good that you called. He's fine. It's been so cloudy up here that he got caught off guard by the sunlight. He'll be gone at dark. He's like back (laughs) into the barn. And I was like, are you sure? And then I texted my upstate pest people and they were like, oh girl, he's sleeping. It's okay. And I found out it was definitely a dude because the ladies are in maternal dens right now. So I'll report back on Twitter tomorrow and let you know if he did, in fact, vomitos. Okay, good. Yeah, so he's basically sleeping on the bat couch. Or he's sort of like me in one of my first jobs when I came into work and I was very hungover. Not recommended, but, you know. And I'm not uh, going to lie. The picture of him looks hungover. Yeah, right. Well, I came into work very hungover and I was like, look, I'm not going to get through this day unless I take a nap. So I went into one of the conference rooms and took a nap. And that's essentially what the bat's doing. It's like, whoa. Just upside down. Just upside down. This week, we're joined by Senator Tammy Duckworth, Nori Reed, and Megan Gailey to tackle the following questions. Is Simone Biles dropping out of the all-around competition actually saving gymnastics? Will the U.S. join New Zealand and the 21st century and give leave to parents experiencing pregnancy loss? Are we out of patience for people who refuse to get the COVID vaccine? And what classic metal band should be played at a very loud volume at times like this? All this and more right now. And welcome to the show. Some news. The Olympics are going on, so we're going to talk about that. So let's talk about Simone Biles first. Um, Simone Biles, uh, the greatest female gymnast of all time, maybe the greatest gymnast of either gender of all time, but I don't know enough about men's gymnastics to make that proclamation. I think we can say greatest gymnast of all time. Greatest gymnast of all time. Um, She announced on Wednesday that she was pulling out of the individual all-around competition in the Olympics. She is the defending gold medalist, uh, greatest of all time, but she has chosen to drop out of that competition to focus on her well-being. Um, And so, you know... (sighs) There's no arguing with that. Yes, Simone, take care of yourself. Like, don't break yes. your body. Don't break your body in half. You've done enough. Basically, all of all of U.S. gymnastics right now revolves around her. She has done more than enough. She's 24 years old. She's you know 
could be in for some individual event competitions later on. Yep. But you know, if you got to take care of yourself, you got to take care of yourself. You shouldn't, you shouldn't play hurt. Um, but of course, you know, after she dropped out, there were all of these kind of hot takes from men who clearly don't really care about the sport of women's gymnastics as much as they care about the sport of yelling about, uh, the strong and successful women. Um, so Alyssa, I wonder what you make about this whole Simone Biles situation and what you make of the kind of very predictable right-wing backlash to it. Well, you know, I think that first when it happened, it's like Simone Biles, oh my God, is she okay? Like you assume because it happened after one of her first events that, you know, she had really hurt herself and not that hurting yourself uh, physically is different than mentally, but you know, everyone was curious about what happened to her. And then I gotta be honest, the reporting was pretty garbage yesterday afternoon, which is par for the course in that, um, you know, nobody knew what was happening. So there was a lot of speculation that was that was sounding a little bit more um, definitive than speculative, which was that, well, she's out now. And she, she, I mean, some of the banner headlines I got on my phone were fucking outrageous. It was like Simone struggles and then, you know, steps out. That's, and it was like, they're making it sound like she didn't do well. So she was just like being not petulant, but there was definitely this like, I'm out vibe, not like what we have come to find out, which is, yeah, like she fucking flips herself in the air and she could really, really, really hurt herself. And that she was having trouble spotting, I guess, uh, was what someone was saying, which is like how you keep yourself from really hurting yourself. And so, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad that so many people like Michelle Obama came out and was like, Simone, you do you, this is what's important. Her team is super supportive of her. So if her team is supportive of her, if Michelle Obama is supportive of her, it's interesting why some like white dudes on the right wing were like, she is the, representing the United States of America and she should shoulder on. And, you know, everyone just all over the place about Carrie Strug, it was like, there's a lot. Yeah, it's and you know the thing is, a lot of these white dudes seem like they are the type of people who would opt to sit in a 15-minute-long Chick-fil-A drive-through line rather than park their car and walk 10 feet to get to the restaurant. Um, so I can't say that they're capable of doing anything comparable to what Simone Biles does physically or mentally. Um, Correct. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about clout chasing. This is a bigger topic than just uh, Simone Biles, but I think that's what's going on. Um, clout chasing is when a person uses someone more famous than them, engages with a story involving someone more famous or important than them in order to generate attention for themselves. And, you know, I think it's bait. So when you have people <laughs> like the turning, the enormous headed lollipop head turning point man, I'm not even, I don't remember his we name. We don't care about his name. Yeah. But you know who I'm, you know who I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, you know, when we have him saying that Simone Biles is a disgrace, you know, it's like, yeah, he probably believes that. But more importantly, what he's trying to do is get attention and reaction for himself. It's like a very obvious attempt to use a more, successful person who is in a competition that is theirs. It is their moment. This is right. a gymnastics competition. Uh, some right-wing commentator who, you know, can't probably run a mile without taking a couple breaks 
this isn't his time. Like, this isn't his expertise. Not his time. We don't care what he has to say. And neither does Simone Biles. And that's the thing. That's the thing that is really irritating about this cloud chasing. It's obviously designed to elicit, ideally, a response from someone like Simone Biles or somebody like an NBC Olympic commentator, because then they're being mentioned on NBC's Olympics coverage or they're being mentioned by Simone Biles. That elevates them. So here's the thing, you know, Simone Biles does not and should not care what these people are saying. We do not live in a world anymore where someone like this, you know, conservative niche, premature old man, where his opinion matters in any way, shape or form when it comes to a sport that he doesn't watch, doesn't like care about, doesn't support. The only thing he's interested in is tearing these women down and, and it's so transparent. And so I think, you know, we, I, I understand the irony of like, we're talking about them after their intent was for us to talk about them, but we're not naming them and we're calling them out. Yes. What they're doing is a really cheap kind of weenie, lazy attempt to make a competition that has nothing to do with them and a woman who has nothing to do with them, a woman who could go the rest of her life ignoring them, just carry on with her life, and she would be totally fine, trying to make it about them. And it's not about them. It's about Simone Biles, her mental health, and the mental health of athletes in the sport. And I want to add one more quick thing. Um, People have been mentioning Carrie Strug's 1996 vault as like an example of somebody toughing it out. Like, oh, you know what? Carrie Strug had like a broken ankle or whatever. And she did that vault anyway in 1996. Uh, That vault is an example of athlete abuse that we all witnessed. Like we now understand, like at the time it was like, whoa, she did it. But she actually like mathematically didn't have to do that vault. They could have just like waited a little bit and they they would have found out that she didn't have to do the vault. She could have scratched. And then after, when she's being carried off, she's being carried off to Larry Nasser, the team doctor. By Bella Caroli. Two of the most destructive and abusive figures in American gymnastics. When we witnessed Carrie Strug do that vault through tears, we were witnessing an athlete being abused. And Simone Biles saying, I am not going to compete. I don't want to get hurt. And it is my decision. And I'm not going to be pushed into doing something that I'm not mentally prepared to do is her taking that back. And like, it is to the benefit of everybody who does the sport of gymnastics moving forward. I I think. I agree. I have nothing to add. You said it all. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I, I will say when I was like a kid, I did gymnastics like a lot of a lot of people. And you can really, you know, even doing, you know, m- like middle school level like things on apparatuses, you can really fuck yourself up. I had a friend who broke both of her arms doing a flyaway off a high bar. That's so and to just put in perspective, I don't even know what a flyaway is because I dropped out of gymnastics before I got there because it scared the shit out of me. I didn't like the balance beam. I didn't like jumping on the balance beam. Uh, I could see the injury in my brain. Yeah. I mean, it's it's real and it happens uh, and it sucks. I just hate that whole American idea that you play hurt. Like even in European men's soccer, if a player is like, I'm hurt and I don't want to play, the fans are like, yeah, of course you're hurt. You don't play when you're hurt. But in American sports, we just are like, no, 
your health doesn't matter. This is for the fans. It's like, no, fuck you. Right. And you know, one of the greatest parts of the miracle hockey team story of 1980 is that the guys were hurt and the coaches were protective of them and would never let them play hurt, which was why it was such a big deal when one of them got to play anyway, because that's not what they do. Playing hurt just like ruins you forever. There's just no Seems like not a point. Yeah. There's no reason to do it. I hate fans. Fans are so the worst. Um, Okay. Alyssa, yesterday there was a hearing for the January 6th commission, which you watched. Can you walk us through what that was like and how it played? Sure. So I watched the January 6th hearing and a lot of coverage after it. And I have to be honest, we have seen so much of the video. The video is so disturbing, um, like the real life, like video camera and, and iPhone coverage that we have we'd seen. And I was fucked up by it. I mean, I couldn't believe, you know, when you actually hear what was so powerful for the first time we heard from the people who up to this point, we had only seen video footage of. Um, And they spoke with such clarity, with such hurt. um, When they talk about, you know, more than anything, Erin, more than anything, the trauma of being terrorized by these terrorists up at the Capitol was literally only the first part of the psychological trauma they have gone through. Because for the past six months, listening to members of Congress say that it didn't happen, that it was tourists, that it was a love fest, specifically is what President Trump had said, um, has really taken them to a whole other place. And um, to see, you know, All of these guys, these four officers, both Capitol Police officers and District of Columbia Metropolitan Police Department officers, um, big, burly, strong guys who were like, I thought to myself, this is where I die, Um, who were suffering to stay alive only to have these animals rip gas masks off their face and spray them with bear mace and other untold things. And, you know, I think that what we heard wasn't new necessarily, but it was, uh, it was raw and it was told in a different way by the people who experienced it. And then later last night, Don Lemon did an interview with officer Fanon, who is probably the most recognizable of all of the officers. He's been on TV a little bit. Um, he is a DC metropolitan police officer, previously Capitol police. And the thing that struck me that was actually new information, which I I rewound the interview to listen to twice because I couldn't believe it, is that he said he had never, he never in six months heard from the Fraternal Order of Police, which is the union of which he's a member. Uh, He's paid dues to the entire time he's been a police officer. They never reached out. And after waiting six months, he finally reached out to them and said, you know what? You never reached out to any of us, any of us. None of those guys had heard from them. You never reached out to us. And so since you didn't do that, I have a couple of things I'd like to ask of you. And they were so measured. He asked things like, um, will you, the FOP, denounce any retired or former police officers who participated in the uh, January 6th attacks? They wouldn't do it. They asked, yes, they, he asked if they would denounce lawmakers for mischaracterizing January 6th as a love fest. They wouldn't do it. 
And this is, by the way, the, the, ne the next and final thing that he asked for is something that's so fucking routine. Even I knew that, that they had done this stuff before. But um, Congressman Paul Gosar had been out there for months saying that the officer who ultimately shot and killed Ashley Babbitt, the lunatic woman who was trying to break into the Capitol through a window, mm -hmm. um, he, Paul Gosar, called the officer who shot her an executioner laying in wait to try to get her. This was investigated by the Department of Justice. The DOJ said he took appropriate, like his, he took appropriate action. He did absolutely nothing wrong. And the FOP would not denounce Paul Gosar. Paul, okay, pa Paul Gosar, by the way, when he was running for re-election last cycle in Arizona, his family members made an ad about how much he sucked. His siblings. Yes, yes. Like, <laughs> Every, it's not even just like he's one of those like ah shucks amicable you know crazy dudes like you know Don Rumsfeld or like Dick Cheney people close to them are like they're pretty nice yeah Paul Gosar's family was like fuck that guy and he had like a lot of siblings as I recall and they were all like hard no to our brother <laughs> exactly I mean I can I can see what they were saying and it's too bad the people of Arizona didn't heed that warning because he's a nut He's a kook. And the, and the fact that the FOP, after the DOJ said everything this officer did was correct, the fact the FOP wouldn't issue a statement of support for the officer after this was over. Do you know what the FOP did offer Officer Fanon at the end what? of the call? What? Well, Aaron, they said, you know what we're going to do for you? We're going to give you access to our wellness program to help you uh, with anything you might be going through. And what he said to the president of the FOP is, if I waited several hundred days to have sought help for the psychological trauma I've experienced, I would be dead by now. So I'm good. And that yeah. was, I got it of all the things yesterday, you know, it was a really emotional day watching everything. That one fucked me up because I couldn't, I couldn't believe this guy's a cop. He's been a part of the union for forever. And the union didn't have his back or anybody else who was brutally, savagely attacked, trying to defend the United States Capitol on January 6th. That to me, Aaron, snips of a little political jiggery pokery. Yeah, jiggery pokery is correct. Isn't that a Scalia-ism? I don't know. I learned a jiggery pokery from Shane Smith. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I think, you know, it's not a few bad apples. We've talked about this before. It seems like it is mostly bad apples in a rotten basket. I'm going to say the fish rots from the head on this one. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Um, so here is my thing um, about the January 6th commission. It was noticeably calm in there because yep. none of the children of the GOP were in there agitating. Instead, they were outside having their own press conference, which was interrupted by people holding up signs declaring Matt Gates a rapist. And that is not uh, that's not Untrue. an exaggeration. Yeah. And then he got <laughs> he got chased off with, a, a, I think, an activist reporter saying, are you a pedophile? Are you a pedophile? Are you a pedophile? It was. It, it seemed it was like surreally bad uh, and amateurish. But, you know, the, the proceedings inside the commission seemed very mature and very adult. Um, Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney continue to move toward what I dread 
as like national profiles. Uh, Adam Kinzinger wants to be governor of Illinois so bad and he might do it. And he's so much better than most Republicans, but I'm just going to putting it out there right now. I think Adam Kinzinger really might be the governor of Illinois. More power to, I mean, look, Aaron, here's the thing that I think has gotten so lost in the past couple of years. Just because we don't agree with people doesn't mean we think they're bad people, except mm-hmm. all these people have shown themselves to be fucking bad people. Right. I don't think Adam Kinzinger is a bad person. I disagree no. with him on many policy issues. I do think Liz Cheney might be a bad person, but she is doing some incrementally good things when it comes to this narrow set of things. And so, you know, I believe that people can change. Uh, I don't know if if I believe a Cheney can change, but I am enjoying watching Liz Cheney completely unleashed and Kevin McCarthy having absolutely no leverage over her since he already took everything away from her. She can just kind of do whatever she wants and say whatever she wants and go ham. And I I do enjoy that. Um, But the thing that really got to me was like, who now, and I'm not trying to be glib here, but like, who cares about what's going on? in the January 6th commission. Like, who is it for? Who is being convinced? Does anybody need to be convinced? Or is it just to, I mean, is the purpose of it to keep reminding centrists and Democrats and and pro people who have any sort of pro-establishmentness to them, what could happen if Republicans regain power? Or it, are we trying to win Republicans over? Like, what is what what gives out of all of this? So you know what I think it is? I think it's all a little bit of that. You know, it's like sprinkles, Greg sprinkles, like in succession. But I think the purpose is actually like the purpose, which is that we don't know what happened. We know what we saw, right? We know what we saw. We don't know what happened. I genuinely want to know who, what, when, and where. Like who got called? What, what was, what did happen? How did, how did reinforcements arrived. Why did it take so long? Did Trump really not fucking do anything? And did he really tell people to not do anything when they thought it was bad? I don't give a shit. I give, let's be clear, zero motherfucking fucks. Whether Ivanka was pacing back and forth in the oval and was always stressed. I don't care about that. I care about, and don't anybody tell me about it because I don't want to know. I care about the critical path, the, the, TikTok of what happened that day, because I do think that if the president of the United States or high-ranking government officials knew what was happening and didn't do anything, which I think is probably the case, that, I mean, how's that not fucking treason? Like, how is that not fucking a offense that needs to be punished in some way? Um, In a big way. And treason is a capital crime. It is. And also, but if it is also, which I have seen in government, which I'm, let's just say, this is me giving huge benefit of the doubt and I don't believe it for a second, but there are systems and processes in place that until tested, you don't know they're broken, right? Maybe that was, maybe that is a part of it. And if that's true, then that needs to be fixed also. And there needs to be an after action done on who, what, when, and where, and make sure it doesn't it doesn't happen again either. It's like, no, this is a very small example, but when we tested the process for invoking the 25th Amendment during the Obama administration, which was an exercise, nothing was really happening, we figured out that some, now remember, this is early 2009-ish, uh, that some of the fo- some of the phone numbers were wrong of, for people that you use. The fax numbers for communicating important documents were not correct. 
those things need to be updated and they should be pressure tested. And so if that's a small part of it, then let's do something. But also if the fucking president of the United States was like, you know what? Let him have it. The world needs to know that. I mean, it, it really needs to be known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that, you know, sometimes I get a little poisoned by the like, who cares? What does this all mean of it all? But what matters is getting to the truth. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, because because honestly, until we know the truth, no one's going to care. Yeah. It's all just theater. That's true. That's true. Well, let's take a quick break. I, You know what? I'm really excited for this interview that I pre-taped that's coming up. I got to talk to half of our Tammy caucus in the Senate. One of the very best Tammy. What, one of the two greatest Tammies in the Senate. Um, I would say pound for pound, the Tammy caucus is the strongest caucus in the U.S. Senate. <laughs> uh, Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth, who introduced some legislation with another friend of hysteria, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, that I think is super important. And uh, I can't wait for you to hear the interview. And welcome back to the show. It is my pleasure to welcome Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth, a longtime advocate for vets and families. While representing Illinois in the House, she introduced the Friendly Airports for Moms Act to ensure new mothers have access to safe, clean, and accessible lactation rooms while traveling through airports, which is now the law. So thank you, Senator Duckworth, for that. She's the first senator to give birth while in office and the second of three Asian-American women to serve in the U.S. Senate after Maisie Hirono and before Kamala Harris. Heard of both of them. She's also an Iraq War veteran. Welcome, Senator Duckworth. It's good to be on. Thanks for having me. I am so excited you're here. Um, Senator, last Tuesday, you and Ayanna Presley introduced a bill called the Support Through Loss Act which would provide three days of paid leave for women following pregnancy loss, a failed adoption or surrogacy agreement, an unsuccessful fertility procedure, or related medical diagnosis. Can you talk to us about how you and Congresswoman Presley came together on this and break down the elements of the bill? Yes. So um, the impetus for the bill is is several things. One, I went through uh, a miscarriage uh, and many failed IVF cycles myself. Um, uh, as I was trying to conceive my two girls. Um, and so I, I had personal experience with finding out I'd had a miscarriage that morning and having to go back to work that afternoon and then being told I need to have a DNC in order to uh, continue attempting to get pregnant and having to have the DNC in the morning, getting rest in the afternoon and back to work the next day and not being able to take the time that I needed to grieve. Um, it's also a passion project for one of my staff members. So I tell my staff, what's the point of working in a Senate office if you don't leverage that for something that you care deeply about? So one of my staff members, I won't mention who it is, um, uh, but but they went through this and they wanted to write this bill. So it's the person who's not in my legislative team, but but they wanted to do this. And so um, uh, together we decided to, to do this and we reached out to the Congresswoman and she was great with jumping right on board to carry this in the House. Um, but but the bill would do um, several specific things. One, it ensures that employers would provide at least three days of paid leave for workers. So not just women, but paid leave for workers to process and cope following a pregnancy loss, an unsuccessful assisted reproductive technology procedure, a failed adoption arrangement, a failed surrogacy arrangement, or a medical diagnosis event that impacts pregnancy or fertility. Um, because we know that there are many same-sex couples that also are trying to get, you know, 
uh, that that can also suffer loss as well, even though neither person carries the pregnancy. Um, it would have the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, including the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, develop and disseminate public information regarding pregnancy loss. Part of this issue is that I was going through mixed messages even as I was dealing with my miscarriage because on the one hand, I, I felt devastated and I was grieving. But on the other hand, my doctor was saying, it's okay, it's normal, women go through go through miscarriages again. He was trying to buck me up to get me psyched up for another cycle. And I was like, so on the one hand, this is perfectly normal, but on the other hand, I'm devastated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just getting information out there. So this is less of a taboo you know, a topic I think is really important. And then it invests $45 million annually into the National Institutes of Health for federal research into miscarriage and pregnancy loss. So those are the three key things in the bill. Wow, that is a, that's super important. And uh, I'm currently six months pregnant with my first child. Congratulations. Um, and uh, thank you. Yeah, and one thing that's really struck me about this whole journey um, is our cultural attitude around pregnancy Um is, is really kind of warped. Like we discourage women from announcing their pregnancy too early um, when the risk of miscarriage uh, is is higher. And it almost seems like a way to keep women like private about pregnancy loss. Like that really struck me as really odd. Um, and, you know, as I was going through this, I got to know a lot about like my friend's what they went through, you know, friends I had no idea had gone through multiple miscarriages or several rounds of IVF that didn't work out just like you did. Um, So I feel like miscarriage and pregnancy loss still exists in this really stigmatized and whispered space. How do you think the bill can alleviate some of that? And have you found that since you introduced the bill that other people, other women who have been through this have opened up to you about their experiences? Oh, very much so. I've had so many women reach out to me and say, thank you for talking about this. Um, you know, I wrote about my miscarriage um, uh, on the campaign trail in my in my recent book. And, and I had a lot of women reach out to me after reading those portions of my book. And I thought long and hard about whether or not I should put it in the book. Um, but I just decided, you know, yes, this is very private, but I think people deserve to know what it's like. Um, and, and I think, you know, people deserve to know the struggles that professional, you know, women who work outside the home go through, um, uh, trying to have these dual lives of, of a, of a career and, you know, their, their, what they want to do for their families. And so, um, yeah, from, from the book onwards to this bill, I've had so many women reach out to me and just saying, thank you so much for talking about this. We really, you know, I had nobody to talk to and, and and this allowed me to talk with my girlfriends about it and bring up the topic. And it turned out we both had miscarriages and neither one of us knew about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know, and, and miscarriage is a, is a bipartisan issue. Like everybody goes through it. Like your your body doesn't care how you vote or who you are. Your body does what it's going to do. I wonder if any of your Republican colleagues have reached out to you or people who work on the Republican side of this. You know, I've not had too many people reach out to me on this, but I am going to actively um, uh, reach out to them. Uh, I will tell you that my breastfeeding legislation was bipartisan. And the way I got support was I went and I found the Republican doctors because doctors understand the importance of breastfeeding in the first year of life. And once I got the doctors to sign on, um, then I was able to get other Republicans to sign on. So that's my strategy is reaching out to Republican um, um, health professionals, you know, clinicians and say, hey, help me with this. Um, and, and of course, you know, the, the, the women of the Senate have a pretty good relationship among us, and I'll be reaching out to the female senators as well. 
Oh, that's that's great. Um, well, I'm really excited to see how this bill does. I think it's it's long overdue. I also had like just a, a random question. You know, New Zealand did this. Um, New Zealand passed a similar legislation, and when they passed it, um, my uh, co-host Alyssa and I were like, "Gosh, New Zealand always getting out ahead of us." I wonder if that was anything that informed uh, putting this bill together. If this is something that's like totally independent and like 100% your office. This is totally independent. This is my staff member, my one staff member who who pushed for this and was something that she wanted to work on. And she said, Tammy, this is my passion project. And I said, you go, you go, girl, you know, you do this and you go write this. And she hunkered down during her off-duty hours and worked with other with a staff member in the legislative team that does that writes new bills and, and worked through it. And she did all the hard work of reaching out to um, groups, um, advocacy groups, and all sorts of folks, and then wrote the bill the way it needed to be, and then brought it back and said, "Okay, we're ready." And I said, "Okay, let's do it. Let's jump in and do this." So I have to give all the credit to my one staff member because um, uh, they're the they're they're the one who really, you know, I thought about it, but I didn't I didn't follow through on it. She did. Mm-hmm. Do you think that she'll ever run for public office? This anonymous staffer of yours. <laughs> um. I mean, I hope so. That would be so great. But uh, uh, I think she likes where she is. Okay. <laughs> well, that's great news. And and congratulations on the bill. And thank you so much for coming to talk about it. Senator Tammy Duckworth from Illinois. Come back again and see us sometime. It's so good to be on. Thank you very much. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. 
And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. And welcome back. Alyssa, you had a little bit of a mental breakdown the other day. And I was I there. I was there with you on text. Can you kind of walk me through what happened? Guys, I was really surprised by my reaction to the CDC's new mandate about masks. And I mean, look, I we've seen this coming. Like we knew this was probably going to happen, at least for the past couple of weeks. I just lost it. Erin, I was crying uh, in the grocery store, sending Erin and Caroline pictures. And I was like, I'm in the yogurt section and I'm about to lose my shit. <laughs> and because I had just crying passed a woman. Selfies, crying selfies. I was crying mom. selfies because I was like, you guys, am I fucking weirdo? Like what's wrong with me? But I saw this woman who had a shirt that said like, no vax my choice. And I just... You know what? Because I fucking hate wearing a mask. I hate it. I do it dutifully. I do it cheerfully. Fucking hate it. And now it's just, it's back and it was too much for me. And Aaron and Caroline got the whole, the full Alyssa. That's Yeah. Alyssa, I feel like a lot of people are at that place mentally this week. And so that's what we're going to talk about in our panel discussion. I'm going to bring in the other two ladies who are joining us. First up, she is a comedian, a writer, a performer, and you may recognize her voice from standing next to her in line to get a taco salad, Megan Gailey. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Wait, so tell, tell us about the taco salad incident. You were in line for salad. And oh, people... I was at a re- I was at a um a vegan sports bar in my neighborhood, which I was fundamentally against. Like when I heard it, I was like, I will never go there. And then I, of course, went there and had a wonderful time. And <laughs> and our server like came up and was like, Megan, and was a hysteria fan and listener. And we've been DMing. My vegan taco salad was delicious. And I will say this was a bright spot in what was otherwise very similar to Alyssa's grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny because sometimes I get the, I'll be like in a, you know, coffee shop or standing in line for something and just talking and someone will turn around like shocked. And it's like, oh, why are you looking? Oh, you might have heard you hear me. my voice. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 a weird. She saw my eyes. Thing. She saw my eyes and knew. She said, <laughs> "Oh, that is a diva, and I know her." <laughs> the Megan Gailey spirit just exudes <laughs> off of you. Um, and second up, we are excited to welcome for the first time to Hysteria an LA-based comedian, writer, and actress. She is originally from Kentucky. She came up in comedy in Oakland. Welcome, Nori Reed. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, Nori, just to introduce you to our listeners, yeah. you're from Kentucky. So, That's true. what is your most controversial take on your home state of Kentucky that people from Kentucky are allowed to have, but people who are not from Kentucky are not allowed to have? Oh, well, um, I'm I'm a trans person from Kentucky, so I think I'm a, I'm allowed to hate it. 
I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I, I'm allowed to just like legally hate where I'm from. Um, no, you, Kentucky is a really beautiful place. I, it's like there's some good vibes. There's community vibes. Um, my one hot take is um, people from Kentucky are actually super, super nice. Um, just uh, be careful what they say behind your back. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that it's it's like a it's like a bless your heart kind of vibe, oh, you know, where yeah. you're like you're like oh that was that you're like that was so nice, and then afterwards they were like no she she hated you like by the way, <laughs> um, so I'll put that out there yeah okay and in Kentucky so people actually follow up with like shit talking they'll give you like oh, some yeah. passive aggressive kindness and then there's like behind your back shit talking through mm-hmm. prayer so it's yes. it's like it's, oh I was. I was, it's it's like oh just by the way I was you know Sandy from church I was praying for her the other day because I heard some really I heard some really some tough stuff about Sandy oh, yeah. oh they're mm-hmm. shit talking you to God mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> wow that is brutality um yeah in the Midwest when people don't like you what they do is they uh kind of they kind of shit talk with their eyes you know. Like you walk away and then there's like eye contact shit talking, but there's no like overt. Gosh, I admire anyone strong enough to survive an <laughs> upbringing in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's pivot to the topic we're going to talk about, which is like the absolute frustration of the masking COVID yo-yo situation that <sighs> we're stuck in right now. Um, we talked about Alyssa's mini breakdown in the yogurt aisle that resulted in selfies and group texts. Um Nori, where are you at mentally when it comes to the pandemic? And how did you feel when you heard about the new remask up mandate? Um, not good. <laughs> I'll say that. Not good. It, I mean, where, where, where am I mentally? I'm, I'm mentally ill. That's where I'm at. It's, it is so hard. I, I feel like I'm one of those people that kind of was like, okay, I'm doing the right things. I'm you know, I'm scared for my own health, but I'm community minded and I'm thinking about other people's health. And I did what I I quarantined and did. I was a good little person. And, you know, and then I was so excited to get the vaccine and live my life and thought that was like, OK, I did the good things. And now and it's just like another American myth. You know, it's like it's like pull yourself up from the bootstraps kind of myth that we have in America. It's like the same thing. It's like it. it we it just sucks that like you think you're doing the right thing for the community for the country and it just and then that hopeless feeling of like it still doesn't matter mm-hmm. it it's just real it's a really bad feeling yeah yeah i i feel similar vibes uh one thing i thought i thought about like you nori and megan and other comedians and performers that we have in the sort of hysteria fam like megan after like over a year of not performing How did it feel to think about, like, masking coming back? Like, were you worried about the – because it seems like you're really excited to be on stage again. So, like, how did that feel for you in terms of being a performer? I think the first reaction is, like, oh, oh, like, when you realize that we're in this place or you're hearing um, the the breakthroughs and the delta and and we're not at – heard you're like people are gonna die and then like probably quick quickly (laughs) in second I'm like oh my god my career you know like it really you're like oh my god I want no one to die but then in LA we sort of knew this was coming because it was announced and I had shows leading up to it before it before it went back into place and you see these business owners and they are just 
like, oh my God. Like there's, I was doing a, a place out in Santa Monica and they're like, well, we'll see if we can afford this wave of whatever it's going to be. And, and it is, it really, it does mess with our industry and so many things of, it puts us just back to total uncertainty. And that is a really uncomfortable, shitty place to be. Like Nori said, when you feel like you've done all the right things to not have to be in that place again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and part of the reason that we're here, which is that, you know, I'll just cut to the chase is because anti-vax people can't fucking get their shit together. Um, they refused to mask up when it we, we didn't have a vaccine. And now that a vaccine is readily available and in some places almost too available, we have extra vaccines that are getting thrown away. Um, they're choosing not to do it. And people who are not vaccinated are responsible for most of the spread. And they're responsible for outbreaks in Missouri and in the Southeast. And, you know, now it seems that this new, more aggressive Delta variant can be passed on to people who are vaccinated and people who are vaccinated are getting sick. They're, no, they're not going to the hospital and dying in large numbers like unvaccinated people are, but we're still getting sick. And meanwhile, kids who are under 12 can't get vaccinated. And there's no real timeline to knowing when that will actually happen. So Alyssa, my question for you is, um, when it comes to vaccinated people, am I in the wrong here for kind of having this part of my brain that's like, fuck them? Fuck them! Favorite line in any movie is in Legends of the Fall when Anthony Hopkins, Colonel Ludlow goes, screw them, screw them. That's how I feel about all these fucking people. Screw fucking you. Like, here's the thing. I, as my mom loves to remind me, have always had terrible, terrible reactions to vaccinations. Terrible as a baby. And when I went to college and University of Vermont, people came and like took me out of my dorm room and were like, you will get your fucking measles vaccine again. And you know what? I didn't hesitate. I knew I was probably going to get real sick from this vaccination. Guess what? I was fucking fine three days later. And here I am. And where I am in upstate New York, is technically considered the capital region right now and is apparently one of the hot, it's a, it's a New York, it's not quite a hot spot, but there are more cases here. Guess what? I'm stoked. I may not die from this. I don't want to fucking get it again because I had it. We think there were no tests at the time, but I don't want to get it again. I don't want to get long hauler symptoms. Like I don't, I don't give a shit. I've done my part. I stayed the fuck home. I lost all my work except for this podcast for a year and change. I've done everything. And now these people, a camp was like front page of the New York times, 15 miles from my house because 31 campers tested positive for COVID because some motherfucker didn't vaccinate. So like, I just, I have no, I have, here's the thing I say about myself. I have no patience for these people. I have no time for them. And I just, if we could put them in a colony unto themselves, that would be great. <laughs> I mean, case, case, sera, sera. But like, there is, there is no, um, I just, I'm, fu- I'm fucking mad about it. Unless you mm-hmm. have a real reason, this is just some fucking bullshit. Because unlike other things we have talked about, this, what, what we have been talking about, Aaron, since last year, like not that we're news witches or anything or like medical experts, but guess what? The more people who keep getting it, the more this fucking thing mutates and the more opportunity there is to have a variant that is immune to our vaccine. So this mm-hmm. is just like, 
I'm so, you guys, I'm so, I start crying again. It's no, too much. I, I um, I, when I hear you say you have no patience and you have no time, I'm really happy. I have a freelance job yesterday and today, but Monday I spent 12 hours fighting with people on the Indianapolis Colts Instagram account. Um, <laughs> because. Cool, cool. That seems good. Which is a team that I love because the head coach who was vaccinated, both shots, tested positive for COVID. And so he released a statement. It's the beginning of training camp. And every comment beneath it was like, well, then why get the vaccine? Why? Oh, Oh, okay. And now you want to get vaccinated. And so then I had to, well, I didn't have to, but I didn't really have anything to do on Monday. And so I just went in and... Oh boy. It, I mean, 12 hours. I was in <laughs> fighting with people and I, maybe I think one guy, maybe I turned him, but I have friends that are like, why are you even doing this? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm just so angry with them. And like, that's one little corner of like, oh my God, we, we are so passionate about the same thing, which happens to be this football team. And yet you are so fucking stupid. If you're stupid, if you if you have bad grades, no teacher told you were smart. You've never felt smart. Maybe listen to someone else. It's I'm so tired of the dumbest fucking people. I'm like, you're in three pyramid schemes. You think I'm going to listen to you? <laughs> Bitch, no. You got tricked. You got tricked. You're being tricked again. Hillary didn't get executed at Guantanamo. Get the fucking <laughs> shot and shut up. Yeah. Uh, Nori, I wonder if you find that you're having (laughs) ugly feelings toward the unvaccinated at all. And like, do you talk yourself down (laughs) or do you just kind of let them ride? And to use a Megan Gailyism, do you indulge your, you know, metaphorical fighting for 12 hours on the Indianapolis Colts Instagram? Um, I don't know. I don't know sports. I don't know. I don't know. So I, I, that's not me, but I will, I, I'm proud of you, Megan. And I do, I do want to say, I, it reminds me a lot of the discourse around like Trump supporters. And of course there's a lot of crossover there with anti-vaxxers. And, but it reminds me a lot of like when it was like during the presidential election and it was like, we have to talk to them. We have to, we need to like reach across the aisle and get them to, to like us and get them to to understand us. And it's it's kind of like, like how much can you reason or rationalize with someone who is like a white supremacist or a, or a racist or um, homophobic, transphobic? How can, like, how can you, how much of that is about a conversation? Um, and that, it reminds me a lot of that when we're talking about people who won't get vaccinated. It's like, how much of it is us having a conversation Versus just their own irrationality that just cannot be changed. Um, I've tried so hard, like, to sit and just think, like, what's happening in their brain psychologically? Like, I, I went to grad school to be a therapist and dropped out. Um, so I'm, so I am a therapist, and <laughs> um, and it, and I sit and I think, you know, one semester, and I sit and I, th- I'm like, what is going on in their brains? I'm trying. I try. I'm like, I'm an empath. You know, shoot me, sue me. And I'm I'm like, what is going like what's going on in their freaking skulls that that is making them act like this? And I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. That that's my I'm like, what is going on in the brain? 
You know what? It seems almost like suicide bomber mentality. Like it's like they know the facts are out there. They know that it's bad. They know that it'll hurt themselves and hurt everyone around them, but they don't care because the everybody around them getting hurt, the owning the libs matters more than their own health. And and I think it's really hard to trace that that sort of logic, but it, it does seem here's here's another thing to go back to something Nori was saying, like it does remind me of the, oh, we need to reach out to Trump voters and we need to stop talking down to Trump voters and we need to do this for them and we need to do this. We need to stop making fun of them. Why am I the only one who has to fucking be nice? Why am I the one that that all falls on? I am tired of being nice. I've been nice a lot and this is where it got us. We, we, this is where civility got us. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm really angry about the situation we're in, I'm six months pregnant. And for the first three appointments that I had with my OBGYN, my husband wasn't allowed in the room with me. So I couldn't see, you know, he didn't get to see mm. the baby's heartbeat right away. He didn't get to, you know, I had to do all that stuff by myself. I had a scare that I had, I was having a, a miscarriage and I, I wasn't, thank God, but I had to do that by myself. And that's because of fucking unvaccinated people. You know, like, I don't want people to have to be in the hospital by themselves. I don't want people to not be able to do normal things. It makes me so angry. I, I don't know. What makes me also, because like Nori, I am an empath. I care a lot about how people feel and why they feel it. So I have gone down the rabbit hole on all the packages that the networks have done, uh, specifically my fave, CBS This Morning with Gail King. And I have watched all of the reporters go to the hospitals and find the people who have gotten COVID, who are unvaccinated, who are like, we were told it wasn't that bad. And this guy has got a breathing tube in. He's like, they said it was like a cold. This isn't like a cold. And on the one hand, I'm like, fuck. They Like, look, it's like if you, for whatever reason, get all your news from Fox News, Ugh. this is all you get. Like, this is yeah. what you know. Yeah. And But all those people are vaccinated. Every one of those people. Now they've admitted it. They never admitted it before, you know? I also bump against the fact that, like, we are being nice. It's nice to say to dumbass strangers, I want you to live. And I want the people that you care about to live. That's actually, where, like, that's what I kept saying to these people. I go, oh, yeah, I'm such a dumb bitch that I want you and all your dumb fucking family to survive. What a dumb bitch thing to want. It's like, I'm not even, like, I don't even care. What's really pissing me off? My, th when they start using my body, my choice, it's really fucking oh. so disrespectful. Oh. It's very triggering. It's it's so it's it's apples and ball sacks. Like it's not <laughs> even a metaphor that makes any sense. And they're and and the thing is, they're not going to go. And now and now we think abortion's good. They're just saying it no. to be fucking assholes. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, pre pre pregnancy and abortion are not. Uh, the last I checked, abortion wasn't contagious. 
Like, you know, going out, like having an abortion isn't, I, I, if I go to a restaurant after having an abortion, I'm not going to cause everyone else at the restaurant to have an abortion. No. Like if you choose not to get vaccinated and you catch COVID and you're in a restaurant with a person who uh, is immunocompromised. And so the vaccine, they, they got vaccinated, but the vaccine didn't produce an immune response in their body. You could kill that person. Uh, there's a child, you know, it's, thank goodness COVID isn't as deadly to children as it is to other demographics because children can't get vaccinated, but still children can get sick. And there are some children who've gotten very, very sick. You could kill a fucking kid. Like, ah. I just want to go back to something you said, Alyssa, when you were talking about Fox News. Like, you know, it's like, it's like the meme where it's like the real villain of the movie. Like, I yes. truly feel like the blood is on the hands of the media um, figures that knowingly spread false information for for views and for for advertising numbers and that is what makes me so sick to my stomach is the people who have no regard for human life and know that they did something so wrong but do not care whatsoever it is anori exactly what you just said to lift that soundbite out could apply to so many things that yeah. Fox is talking about right now. I watch Fox on the reg because I like to know what's going mm -hmm. on, like over there. Mm -hmm. And last night I watched because I was like, oh, they're having on Jim Jordan and Elise Stefanik oh, no, to talk no, about no, no, no. the no. hearings. Yes. <laughs> no, and it was, and one, it fucking bums me out because I know Elise Stefanik is smarter than this. Like I know she is. And the shtick that they had about the insurrection it was like like aaron and i were saying at the top it's like you can know look i may not agree with you i get you're a good person right like just because i don't agree with you that is not the fuck what's going on here and these lunatics were on tv saying that if we're gonna investigate the insurrection then Nancy Pelosi needs to depoliticize this and they need to investigate the protests of last summer and all this stuff. They said it with a straight face. They were given a huge fucking platform on Hannity at 9 p.m. And it's like, all I think about is the people watching it who, who don't cross-reference their news with like 30 other sources. And it's a it, Nori. It's like they are they are the villain. Without them, the help 100%. of fucking Facebook. This uh, could we could be in a very different position than we are right now. I don't think we as a country, we have high reading and listening comprehension. Mm -hmm. And so you have people sitting in front of their TVs and you're right. They're not cross rep. So when they come at us being like, oh, these are all lies. It's like, bitch, I, we're going to the CDC. We're going to MB. Anything with a C in it, I'm cross referencing it with. I'm asking my mother who's a doctor or not a doctor. She's a nurse. She should be a doctor. Nurses are better <laughs> than fucking doctors. And like, you know, it's like, do you, is there no one like my, my, I have a family member who is a is a Trump lover, watches Fox News. She is vaccinated. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm happy that she is. And my mom goes, she believes in science. She's a nurse. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's just so sad that that's where we are. You either believe in science or you don't. It's not fantasy. It's not <laughs> Harry Potter. It's a fucking <laughs> class in school. It's real. Mm -hmm. And then if you come at them like, When's the last time you had polio? Right. Like, polio doesn't exist anymore. And you're like, but what? And you know anymore? what? People got the polio shot without knowing the 10 year long effects because the right now effect was you die. So mm -hmm, you right. either, you can get polio or you can get this shot. And the 10 year long effects 
we're fine. My uncle had polio. Mm-hmm. My mo- they got the vaccine. They're fine. We're all aren't they looking at us and being like, oh, they they are okay. They look good. Guess yeah. what? I've gotten hotter since the vaccine. My ass <laughs> looks better. Mm-hmm. I got it with, at I got it at seven and twelve weeks pregnant, and I'm fine. Like uh, the baby is fine. Everything is fine. Like um, Mitch McConnell also had polio, so that might be a reason that oh, he is one of the so ugly. Ooh, I bet he got. <laughs> I bet he's got weak calves. Well, here's the thing. Mitch McConnell is one of the few Republicans to his credit that has been like, get the vaccine. No, no qualifications. Just like everyone should get the vaccine. Here's the thing that, you know, to go to Nori and Alyssa points that you guys both brought up. You know, we have these conservative media figures who are basically, you know, fucking the anti-vax chicken for as long as they possibly can. And I feel like their plan is to just ride that as long as they can and then jump off at the last minute and be like, now I want people to get the vaccine. And we are going to be expected, they're going to be like dumbass beltway pundits who are like, oh, congratulations. Oh, thank goodness, Sean Hannity. They'll suffer zero consequences for all the damage they've done simply because they changed their mind way too late. So, Nori, I wonder if you have any forgiveness for these people? Do you feel any <laughs> sympathy for these people? Like, how should we handle uh, Sean Hannity who suddenly sees the light? It's just, it's so funny to me that the Christians in this get to not be Christians and the non-Christians <laughs> have to be Christians. I find that to be fascinating. I am not a Christian, but uh, apparently right now I'm Jesus fucking Christ because yeah. <laughs> um, I have to forgive these like terrible people and be so nice to these awful people while these Christians are killing people. And that's cool. Um, I mean, look, like I... I think, like, my desire and motivation to return back to a life that feels somewhat normal and to be able to live my life is above any sort of hatred or, like, anger that I have towards these people. For me, it's not about forgiving them. It doesn't matter. I don't actually could give – I don't care about them. I I don't think about them. I want this to be over. And so it's, like, my desire for our country to move forward is bigger – than any personal feelings I have towards someone like Sean Hannity, who is like a piece of shit. Like, I don't, I don't, care. like, I don't, I just don't care. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I, it's for me, it's not about forgiveness. I'm like, who cares? Like, I'm an adult. Right. I'm, I'm like, I'm an adult person. Right. Can I resume not thinking about you ever, please? <laughs> I also, I, I think it's selfish too. I think that they're like, oh, our constituents are dying. The people who, the people who make us money, the people who are ad sales, the only reason that they're now coming out and saying that is because th- that it, that's who it's affecting. It's, it's well, and people that you like know, them. I saw on Twitter um, that a lot of people now who watch Fox News on the reg are like, yeah, like wink and a nod. We get they have to say it because like their sponsors are going to be like pissed. Yeah, but that's like they what's don't, going on. That's what's them, happening. Oh yeah, uh-huh. it took them too long. It took them so long. Like, if they all believed, if Sean Hannity really thought the vaccine was legit, why did he not say it in February when he got it or March or whenever? Mm-hmm. So, like, on the one he's hand, he's a pussy because he's a bitch ass pussy. 
Why do they think? Why do they think everything is like a puzzle or a riddle or like a Da Vinci Code? <laughs> because it's the, it, you know what? I know because they're the stupid. They're stupid. They don't want to open up an. If they opened up yes. the Da Vinci Code, we'd be in a better place. Because they go, oh my god, look at history, art, I, art. Let me think about art. They're <laughs> bored. They're so fucking bored that they're literally trying to create these like national treasure Nicholas Cage yeah. moments. And it's like, Stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I we laugh because it's the alternative to crying at this point, I believe. Which um, I already did. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I cried, but I cry about a lot of things now. Yesterday I cried because I had to leave the house, and then I cried because I had to go home, and then I Aww. cried. It's just, no, my hormones are just insane. And But I swear <laughs> to God, if, if like this anti-vax thing leads to me having to like give birth alone in a mask or like uh, my mom can't see her grandchild like until the baby is six months old like fuck you guys i yeah. i'm so i mean and mm-hmm. and it's not it's clearly not just about me i also was thinking about like people who work in hospitals and what a terrible 2020 they had and mm-hmm. how now they just have to do it again like mm-hmm. it's it's like I know that like people uh, hate working in ERs over Halloween weekend because it's people getting into the most dumbass shenanigans and ending up in the emergency room because they're they're doing fucking dumb shit. And I, it's got to feel just like Halloween over and over and over again. And I, I, but everybody's just doing it like virally. It's like viral Halloween. I feel like, you know, at this point we tried to be nice. The government tried to be like, please get your vaccine. Look how much fun it is. Then everyone was like, fuck it. No, I'm going to have fun without doing the thing. I feel like now we we are out of the carrot phase and we got to get to the stick phase. Mandate. Yeah. Yeah. Mandate. Or, mandate. Or even in L.A., just make people have show their vaccine to go anywhere. Yeah, that's you, what it is. Like, if you don't want to get the vaccine, whatever, crazy Stay person. Home. Stay the fuck home at your big ass house in your man cave and jerk off as much as you want, but you're not coming in and ruining salad bars for me anymore. It, yeah, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to jerk off at the salad bar, you got to be vaccinated. Exactly. That's Thank what you. I'm saying. Thank yes. you. Yes. And keep it away from the Caesar. <laughs> yes, it gets confusing. Yes. No, but I, Megan, I I 100% think that is the answer because when you when take a Colts fan, right? It's like if that Colts fan <laughs> if that Colts fan can cannot go to a game, that matters to them. That is something yes. that they care about. And so why not make that the issue? If you want to come here, show me your vax card. And those mm-hmm. are the that's those are those have been the rules for lots of things yes. for a long time. No shoes, no shirt. People aren't walking in titties out places. We would if we could, but we're I not wish. allowed. Well, it's, mm-hmm. And it's also like, you guys, it's everybody's bottom line, right? Like, Megan, you know this. You can explain this better than I can. But part of what probably incited your Colts people earlier in the week is that the NFL put out some pretty fucking ballsy uh, guidelines for the new season mm-hmm. saying that, and Megan, correct me if I get this wrong, but basically, if you are an unvaxxed player and you get sick and you spread it and your team can't play, you got to fucking shoulder the financial burden. You will not get paid for the game. Mm-hmm. Your teammates are going to suffer. And they all went batshit about yeah. this. And it's but like, guess what? It's fucking hitting their bottom line. Yeah. And in France, when Macron came out and said, did you like that, guys? 15 years of France. I said Macron, right? Yeah. Um, 15 years of French. 
And he said, you can't go to fucking discotheques unless you're vaccinated. Two million people signed up for the vaccination. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. like I don't just it's like you got to hit people where it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think also we should be we should be emphasizing some of the really bad effects of COVID. I've seen some mm-hmm. really dangerous. I think uh, this sort of Fox News favorite public health self-anointed expert who is really, really damaging tweeted yesterday that getting covid was the best way to inoculate yourself against covid Mm-mm. no it's no, literally not. not true no it's you not talk to so those college stupid. athletes that try to have a massive lawsuit against the ncaa and these are healthy children these are like healthy 18 year olds that are having horrible effects of it but yeah. all that takes is no like knowing anything like yeah. we all know that we all hear that and go that's not true yeah. That's not true. But and we need more people. Your brain can't do that, then it can't, I guess. I think we need more people with like long COVID to talk about what long COVID is because it's a real thing and you don't know if you're going to be one of those people that gets it. It's like playing Russian roulette. Also, mm-hmm. we need to be, ta- I've talked about this on the show. We need to be talking more about the dick effects of COVID. The penis <laughs> is a vascular organ. The mm-hmm. uh, COVID is a disease that infects your vascular system. Once you have COVID, men with COVID have a five times higher rate of erectile dysfunction. COVID, COVID can break your dick. Like yeah. we need to we need to make that more public. Yeah. It's something that is super dangerous to people who might want to have children because uh pregnancy is a very vascular thing. Like it can affect the placenta. It's we need to talk about like instead of just being like you just won't get sick, well, let's talk about what sick is. What does yeah. sick look like? Who's gotten it, sick? It has long-term effects on your heart or can, depending on how bad it is. Because mm-hmm. when I had COVID, which was bad but not that bad. Uh, I couldn't walk down my driveway, which is not that long, for like three months without needing to take a break. Like it is. Well, all this information is there, you mm-hmm. know? Like, right. It really it's been available. Is. The dicks. I mean, uh, this is a crew that doesn't have great dicks to begin with. And that's, <laughs> but yeah, I, you're right. Maybe more, maybe more push on yeah. that. But I don't know. We're for now. We're all pretty pissed, and uh, we're not going to pretend to to feel nice or charitable about it. We're not going to do things to actively hurt people because we're not fucking monsters. But I think we all here agree that we're feeling less than charitable about people that have opted to endanger so many other lives, and not just lives, just like lifestyles, normalcy. Um, we need to. Uh, we we need to hopefully get past this, and then I don't know. I don't know, guys. I'm I'm so tired. Um, okay, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to do Sanity Corner this week just because it's been a pretty crazy week. Okay, be right back. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed.
And welcome back. No housekeeping this week. So we're just going to get to Sanity Corner. What have we been doing? What have we been reading, listening to that has made us feel less crazy? Uh, Megan, do you want to go first? Absolutely. It may not be safe enough to take an international trip yet, but you can have some banta and some cheeky fun if you go to Love Island, UK. I mean, it's back. They had to take last year off because of COVID, but they are back. And I people are saying the US one is great. I just don't want to be with Americans right now. <laughs> so I am being with my hot UK. The men are not good. The women are incredible. And so like that also feels kind of nice too. There's some good men, but it's really steaming up, heating up. I've watched, I'm caught up, which is a cry for help. It's on five <laughs> nights a week. <laughs> Wait, you're caught up? I'm caught up. But the U.S. is like two weeks behind of what's um, what's like live airing. But I think I've watched 18 episodes and oh, there's just beautiful fake bodies and they're funny. There's a girl named Liberty. She works at a chicken restaurant. I love them. I love them. They're the best. Wait, so where do you watch it if you're in the U.S.? Hulu. Okay. And Hulu, all the, yeah. the British Love Islands, they have all of the episodes of this season? Um, I think there's been 18 or 19 that have come out so far, but they will end up being like 70 or something insane. It's truly insane, but um, it's really, it's a great thing to just like have on in the background while you're doing stuff. It's really soothing. And they are quite kind to each other. And they um they really do handle things in a in a more mature way than you would expect on a reality show filled with people with like huge fake tits. But they they're great. It's I love it. I love it. Megan, you know what I love? Whenever you love something, you always introduce it like Stefan from yes! SNL. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to sell it, you know? Like, I'm like, we need the Hysteria crew in Love I I know, I do get really excited, you're right. And just like that, you're on the Lower East Side. (laughs) Thank you and honor. I love when you say that. (laughs) Um, Megan, you have to hop off, but I did not know that the British Love Island was available. I was watching the American Love Island and, like, was very impressed with everyone's emotional maturity because you would Mm -hmm. think people would just be insanely jealous and mean because they're so jealous and mean on, like, American Bachelor and Bachelorette. But on Love Island, they're all like, look, we're all here to date everybody. Just please be straight up with me. So I've been watching the American one and I kind of fell off. But now that the British one is back, I love their accents. They're just fun. They're just fun. They're they're the best. All right. Well, Megan, thanks for stopping by today. And uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Okay. Let's continue with Sanity Corner. Um, So my Sanity Corner, I feel like it's maybe a joint Sanity Corner yeah, I think we're um, piggybacking this week. With Alyssa. So yesterday, after Alyssa had her mini breakdown in the yogurt aisle, um, <laughs> later we all reconnected on the group chat, and it was one of the most entertaining Hilarious. group chats I think I've ever been a part of. We all mutually discovered that we listened to like 90s, like 90s hard rock as a way to cope with things feeling like out of control. We ended up in this big, long discussion of Metallica. And Alyssa, <laughs> Alyssa sends us live. It's like Woodstock 94 Metallica performing Enter Sandman. I was there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was, I was also talking about like listening to a lot of Tool. I think I've been like kind of indulging 
things that are a little bit more like morbid or gothy for the last few weeks. Um, and I feel like in a weird way that kind of helps, it helps distract from the um, kind of out of control feeling that the public health situation has in the U.S. Like we just did a road trip to Minnesota to see my family because not flying right now. That's crazy. Um, and on the way, I made my husband listened to a five-part series on the <laughs> Black Death with me. And it was like the most fun listening to the, the Black Death thing. I listened to a bunch of Tool. I listened to a bunch of uh, Metallica. And it just felt like really cathartic. Metallica, there is no denying that they fucking rock. They rock. And Enter Sandman is, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a metalhead because that would be false. And Kim Kelly, who is a friend of the show, would be like, bitch, I know you love the Indigo Girls. <laughs> and so, I, but when I am really just so fucking mad, Enter Sandman is just very satisfying. I mean, exit light, enter night, you know, as as they say. Um, but yeah, it, it was actually really, it was nice to listen to some loud music from the 90s to kind of get through yesterday and uh, that group chat about how we all individually, what Caroline loves Rob Zombie. That was hilarious. That was so weird. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun to listen to that. So anyway, uh, music, music, even though it's not as much of a communal thing as it used to be, um, going back to a time when it was, is a lot of fun and I recommend it as a sanity corner. Um, Nori, do you want to bring us home? Yeah, yeah. My, I mean, for me, it's uh, I feel like online shopping has just been a always like you know that's a very common kind of uh, during the pandemic coping skill. For me, right now, it's like finding the perfect mini bag, um, and it's like, <laughs> like how many are we talking? It's not like novelty size mini. You can still use it like in a in a utilitarian way, but it's like cell phone, wallet, chapstick kind of vibe mini. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I don't know if you, there's this brand called Telfar and it's a wonderful brand and they make the best bags, but they sell out instantaneously on their website. And that's the only place you can get them. So I woke up one morning at 5am to try (laughs) to get a Telfar mini bag. And I literally couldn't get one because they sold out instantaneously. So I, that's, that's all I'm coping right now is I'm, I'm like on the hunt for this like <laughs> mini bag. And it's not about the bag. It's never about the bag. It's of like course it's, it's about not. something else. Yeah. Yeah. But it's helping. Where would you take the bag? Like, do you have kind of oh, montage yeah. visions of like you and the bag having a great time together? A hundred percent. I feel like it's obviously like a restaurant moment when you're eating outdoors. <laughs> you're kind of like running late and you're like, I'm so sorry. You're like, oh my God, I'm, the traffic was so bad. And you're like holding the bag. You're like, the traffic was so bad. And you're like <laughs> holding the mini bag or like, you know, when I go to a show, you know, I just have my mini bag, maybe bring it on stage because I don't trust any other comedians. We're bad people. <laughs> So, like, you know, keep it with me. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of mini bag moments. Oh, yeah. Well, Nori, I want that for you. I want you. mini bag <laughs> moments for you. I want you the next time there's a 5 a.m. wake up restocking thing. Thank you. I want you to be – I want that for you. If Telfar – if you're listening, please uh, send me a Telfar bag. I deserve it. Sorry. I just <laughs> but now, Nori, after I've taken my evening edible – and I always am looking for something to look for. Just know you got a friend online looking for you too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. She's not kidding, Nori. I I'm not made, kidding. I, I made an I made I an offhanded that. comment about a nap dress, and like a week what later, what happened, Aaron? 
Alyssa sent me a nap dress. It in showed there. up. Like in the mail. It was like Santa oh. Claus, FedEx Listen, Santa Claus. I wouldn't be mad, Alyssa. I wouldn't be mad at it if you sent, if you surprised you. me. I wrote with down Selfar. Okay. Because <laughs> sometimes you just need to look in different countries. You need to look oh. deep in Etsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my God! Wow, yeah, guys, please. I'm not a I'm not a fucking amateur. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for the show this week. Thank you to Megan Gailey and Nori Reed for stopping by. Alyssa, thank you for being my ride or die. Thank you to Senator Tammy Duckworth for chatting with me. And thanks to all of you, the listeners. There will be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastermonico is our co-producer, and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Our digital team is Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroote. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support every week. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed.